Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Catherine Weber, and I am joined by... Andy Gerbuga. Number one, Lena Dunham, Stan Colin Hatchley. I, I knew he was going to say exactly that. Emilio Diaz. You got to start doing Karnak uh, bits. Uh, yeah, you knew that, and I did not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well... Folks, it's they did it. Sundance. They did another one. The dance. It's over. Yep. Good riddance. All right. What? <laughs> so long, we hardly knew ye. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, so another Sundance. Sundance what a year for the festival, the honestly. Hmm? I said, what a year for the festival. <laughs> It was an interesting one, certainly, I feel like. There's an interesting energy coming from Sundance. Uh, My first Sundance. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the first time Cullen uh, saw Sundance. Um, Might be my last <laughs> All right. Um, I don't see how... <laughs> and Andy bought the 100 year subscription. <laughs> and he's trying to get us to buy some years off of him. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Andy, yeah, I mean... Sharon Parks <laughs> <in>. <laughs> Andy really had a look of like we don't need to do this. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> if you tip us five dollars on coffee, we'll give you a video episode. <laughs> so you can see. Andy. I'm just gonna leave. I'm just gonna okay, go for okay. this one. You all can have fun doing whatever you no, want. No, you're do. the star. Of You've this seen episode, the most Andy. movies, Andy. You need to be. Yeah. Here. Let's talk. It's a film festival thing. Yeah, if you leave, this episode just won't happen. Yeah. We'll just fuck around for an hour and put that out. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, so, Sundance, you know, we've talked about it. They were planning on a hybrid uh, version of the festival where in person and online, they had to pivot very late to doing just online for omicron reasons uh i believe in that they only lost the one movie right only the husband of yeah, yes which he i believe personally pulled from the festival yeah. um which is pretty good i would say yeah um, what a dweeb uh um but yeah it was it, it was um i feel like i i certainly like I didn't see as many movies as last year because I wasn't accredited this year. Uh, we don't need to get into that. Um, but um, uh, I certainly feel like I was not able to get as much of a sense of the shape of the whole festival as I felt pretty confident I had seen like like most of the most notable things by the end of Sundance last year. And this year, there's, like, a lot of things that I didn't catch that people are excited about that is, like, looking to come out and, like, that deals are happening for and stuff. And so I have I feel like I've heard a lot of good buzz for things that I have yet to see, which is an exciting feeling coming out of a film festival. Sure. Um, sure. Uh, yeah. Um, 
they uh so i guess we should just do we want to do the non-sundance news first sure Sure, yeah let's do let's do that i'm sorry i forget how we format our episodes uh when Mm -hmm. there's so much pressure on very much of it it's just berlin berlin is happening in a couple weeks uh they're scared they put their schedule out this morning Mm -hmm. which like there's not that much to say about it's like you know, the Denis is, I think, February 12th. The Hong is the 16th. I think the Hong is actually played... Because they they announced when they kind of announced the, like, we're going to do this in person. The other thing they announced was that they're, like, condensing it weirdly, where all of the new movies will have... All of the movies will have premiered within the first half of the festival... And then uh, the second half of the festival is just going to be, like, replays, uh, which I don't... I'm curious to see, like, how that will work for critics. Because, uh, like, ba- most... That means that... I think there's 18 movies. Uh, and that means that most days there are three competition movies premiering. Which, like, usually at a Berlin or a Cannes or a Venice, it's, like, two movies most days, and there might be a few days with three movies. Um, So that'll be interesting. Uh, I think they did also move up the awards. The awards are happening on the 16th, which is the last day of new movies screening. Like, The Hong is premiering that morning, and then the awards are in the evening. Uh, so, you know, this will have just happened in relatively short order. Uh, you know, two weeks from now, Berlin will be, almost all of the movies will have premiered. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the other thing that happened is that they announced the jury. We already talked about, uh, M. Night Shyamalan is their jury president. They announced last year, uh, the other members of the jury, uh, Connie Nielsen, who, uh, someone, I don't remember who, pointed out, uh, she was on the Locarno jury that gave the Golden Leopard to Laz Diaz, which is interesting. Uh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi, uh, friend of the show, (laughs) director of Drive My Car and Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, uh, the producer, Saeed Ben Saeed, who's worked with, like, Verhoeven and Kleber Mendonsofilio, and, um, I think this year he's got the Iris Sachs movie he did, and, uh, the new Brayot movie he also produced. Um, um going back, did Hamaguchi oh, win anything at last year's Berlin? Yes, Spring he won the, no. the grand prize, yeah. the silver right. second, so he won whatever, the can. number two prize. Yeah, yeah he won screenplay at Cannes. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's a novelist, uh, C.C. Danga Baremga, a Zimbabwean novelist, who, uh, the Hollywood Reporter says they were nominated for a Brooker Prize, but but I assume they mean Booker Booker Prize. (laughs) Uh, get your, uh, your 
copy editors on that. Uh, <laughs> You're on site or on notice, and it's on site. Actually, this is the only yeah. notification we'll give you. We will yeah. not let you know via any other venue that there's a problem. Yep, that's right. Um, I did refresh to make sure they hadn't fixed it, and they haven't. Um, In the last like the five German... minutes since you pulled up the website, since we said this, no, I pulled this up. I pulled the website up. Now maybe like ten minutes ago. I guess it was. Yeah, the article was true. posted days ago. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was posted days ago. That was a. I guess that was a silly thing to do. Um, <laughs> you wasted a refresh on that. <laughs> Whatever. I gave them a chance. Yeah. Um, and, look. and then the final two members of the jury are the uh, the German director. And Zora Barishad, uh, who had a movie in competition at Berlin called 24 Weeks several years ago. That might have won Best Actress. Um, Julia Gench was the actress in that. I remember hearing a lot about her. Uh, the Brazilian director, Kareem Ainuz, who I think has maybe been in a uh, competition at Berlin once but is it's just interesting to see him on a jury because he is a director who i think is pretty well liked but whose movies often premiere at festival at these big european festivals but not in the main competitions uh you know i think he's had a lot of movies recently at like director's fortnight in a certain regard uh, but yeah, that's the jury. Anyone else have any other thoughts? No. Seems like a jury. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. yeah. I might be just be thinking of it wrong because like he's having such a hot end of last year. But it is funny that Hamaguchi is just like on the jury. <laughs> yeah, I mean the interesting thing is that he's not on the can jury because yeah. like Often, if you win a big, uh, he won't be on the can jury because they're not. They don't repeat jury members like that at the big festivals. Uh, uh, and like often, if you kind of have like a big breakout at can, they will invite you to be at the on the jury the next year. But like, a he also had a big breakout at Berlin last mm -hmm. year because he had two movies and B. I am hearing he maybe will have another movie at camp. That's wow. The guy just doesn't stop. He's cranking yeah. him out. I don't I don't know anything about it. Like there was a movie that he was going to do before the pandemic called Our Apprenticeship. I don't know if it's that or something else. That was going to be it had like some of the like uh language stuff in common with drive my car because it was gonna be set in france i think and like about like a sort of international group of was it linguistic students i think or like students working in different languages together anyway uh so like that sounds really interesting i don't know if he's still interested in doing that or not um but yeah. Yeah. Um, so do we want to talk about uh, as we go back to Sundance? Yes. Mm -hmm. We've all seen stuff. Should we just start by laying out what won the major award? 
Um, should we start with Grand Jury for the competition? Yeah. Movies? The U.S. Tournament. Oh, sure. The four Grand Jury Prizes. Yeah, sure. Or the four Grand Jury Prizes. Right. So they're, these are all different categories. Um, the U.S. It Grand Jury Prize Dramatic was uh, presented to Nanny, um, mm-hmm. which I uh, did not see. I have heard a lot of good things about. Sounds cool. Um, uh, which is... Um, an undocumented nanny works for a privileged couple in New York City, and it sort of, I guess it brings in, it's like supernatural, brings in some like, right, uh, Sengalese like mythology yeah. or something yeah. is, is sort of what I, what I gather. Yes. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, the main thing I heard about, uh, this movie was that uh many non-black critics were writing about it idiotically (laughs) sure um but yeah uh sounds cool sounds uh sounds exciting definitely something i would like to check out at some point um i mean uh, it was i feel like it was seen as kind of a surprising winner it was well reviewed but not like one of the buzzier movies sure like uh, i think people going into the awards were just like i guess cha-cha real smooth is just gonna win which like when people feel like that i feel like like 50 percent of the time it happens and 50 percent of the time it doesn't right you know it's an even smaller jury than like the european juries it's what like Three it's people, three, yeah. It was people, uh, yeah, it was Chelsea Barnard, Marielle Heller, and Payman Mahdi. Yes, were the three for the U.S. Dramatic Competition. Mm-hmm. Um, right, they have like they have like a bunch of littler juries, is sort of how they yes. do it because they have so yeah. many sections. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, U.S. Grand Jury Prize documentary went to the Exiles, uh, which is about. Um, uh, documentary and Christine Choi tracks down three exiled dissidents from the Tiananmen Square massacre in order to find closure on an abandoned film she began shooting in 1989. Um, right, she had she was the director. She had a movie that was in revivals at um, New York Film Festival last year, right? I thought that name sounded. Familiar. I don't recall. Yes, Who Killed Vincent Chin was is a movie from uh, nineteen eighty seven that she made that was in revivals at uh, New York Film Festival last year. Uh, so I, I assume that new restoration will be coming out at some point this year, or maybe already has. <laughs> um. World Cinema Grand Jury Dramatic went to Utama, um, which is, uh, the logline is, In the Bolivian Highlands, an elderly uh, Quechua couple has been living the same daily life for years. When an uncommon long drought threatens their entire way of life, Virginia and his wife Cisa face the dilemma of resisting or being defeated by the environment and time itself. Sure. Uh, Grand Jury, uh, uh, World Cinema Grand Jury Documentary went to All That Breathes, uh, which is against the darkening backdrop of Delhi's apocalyptic air and escalating violence, two brothers devote their lives to protect one casualty of the their, of the turbulent times, the bird known as the Black Kite. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Are there any other major uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, they they did not give out achievement in neorealism, neorealism this year, so no. it's hard to take these awards entirely seriously, yeah. given that absence. Sure. I mean, listen, sometimes no one's achieving a neorealism, and that's just the way it's got to be. I guess so. I get, yeah, if, that, if like they came out and they were like, we watched all these movies... None of these really achieved much uh, neorealism <laughs> speaking, like, <laughs> and everyone would be like, okay, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think anyone else remembers achievement in neorealism? <laughs> we're keeping it alive. I guess certainly. so. I don't think I, anyone who does not listen to this sure. podcast remembers it. I truly it's like one think, of the most major I, events I, of my lifetime. <laughs> I truly had a thought yesterday that if we ever get big enough to have merch, we have to make an achievement in neorealism. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's great. That would be wonderful. I would wear that. Um... So, yeah, I mean, you got, like, so there's, like, the other juried awards, like, uh, um, Blood won uh, Uncompromising Artistic Vision. Ooh, okay, now we're in, talking. In the, in the <laughs> realm is close. of achievement in neorealism. Now we're talking. Um, <laughs> Give it to me uh, again. Blood? Uh, Blood won uh, the Uncompromising Artistic Vision special jury award. <laughs> that is um, pretty Which major. Section? Uh, U.S. Dramatic Special. Okay. Oh, wait. Uh, Special Jury Award. U.S. Dramatic. Yeah. Uh, After the death of her husband, a young woman travels to Japan, where she finds solace in an old friend. But when comforting turns to affection, she realizes she must give herself permission before she can fall in love again. Um, You know what? I'll say it right now. (laughs) If we can get our hands on that movie, we'll do an episode on it (laughs) this year. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I've heard, um, I've, heard, I've heard decent things about that one. I've yeah. heard it's like, it's like sort of remote. It's like, I believe somebody compared it to like Stephen. Is Stephen Cohn that director's name? Yeah, Princess. Yeah, yeah, I like him. Oh, this is Carla Drury is in it. Okay. Who, she was in 2049. Yeah. She was in that movie Wetlands yeah. years ago. Um, I feel like I've heard of this director too, Bradley Rusk. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's a movie called The Exploding Girl that he did with Zoe Kazan okay. like 15 years ago that people like. Um, um, yeah, we'll look forward to that. There's an ensemble uh-huh. cast special award to 892, which is the um, John sure. Boyega oh, right. uh, starring movie that Michael K. Williams is in. Uh, also one of his final performances. Which I, my, you know, the word on that I've heard is, like, pretty good performances doesn't really hold together. Uh, so it makes sense as sort of an ensemble award. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, um, let's see, we got Impact for Change, U.S. Documentary Special Jury Award, went to Aftershock, uh, which, is, which is about the, uh, I believe, the difference in... Um, uh, maternity deaths between uh, black and white women. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously a serious subject there. Um, uh, let's see. What ha- what won Waldo's Salt? Let's see if I can find that, because that's always a favorite of mine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Waldo's Salt, sc- <laughs> Waldo Salt Screenwriting Award um, went to Emergency. That's right, which is... Um, 
that's set. Uh, it's it's uh, after ready for a night of partying. A blue a group of black and Latino college students must weigh the pros and cons of calling the police when faced with an unusual emergency. Um, screenwriter KD Davila. Excuse me for any mispronunciations. Um, I think that's probably good for awards. Yeah, I mean, there's just sure. to quickly mention the audience awards, which are like separate. Oh, sure. um, there's uh, Navalny, which was pr- announced extremely late after the co- after the uh, the the festival had already started and like yes. was it was showing in two days or whatever. Um, yeah, that I mean, didn't they the audience? Didn't they sell like secret? Like we have a secret movie play, and then they... I don't think they I don't did. think they did. I think no. they were yeah no. I think it was literally just like ooh here's another movie uh, premiering in two days. Yeah, and buy your it... tickets now. Oh, right. I, I thought I had heard that they, they were being deliberately cagey about that movie because of the subject matter or whatever. They were, I think, perhaps potentially withholding it because it was like, mm. it's like hot button Russian, sure, like, uh, no goodness uh, sort of thing. Um, uh, Cha-Cha Real Smooth won Audience Award Yes Dramatic. We'll talk about that movie. Um, Audience World World Cinema Dramatic went to Girl Picture. Uh, Audience Award World Cinema Documentary went to The Territory. Audience Award Next went to Framing Agnes. And then the Festival Favorite Award went to Navalny, which is, like, their new, like, I guess they're going to try to do their own people's choice, um, which is, like, among all movies. Like, when you were watching the movies on the platform this year, I was watching them on my Apple TV on, like, their app, and it would, like, pop up with, like, put this number into the app on your phone, and you can vote on how much you like this movie. And that was, like, for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were using a four-star scale, which I yeah. thought was interesting. Interesting. Roger Ebert's That's interesting no for half them stars, to do actually. when the uh, the U.S. Dramatic uh, Audience Prize is already uh, among the most people's choice in of festival awards. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just start with the first movie I saw, uh, which we talked about, uh, which was Call Jane, which we did talk right. about uh, as it was the movie that was announced to be part of Berlin competition as well. It's the only movie that's playing that's not a premiere in the Berlin competition. I believe you predicted it, it to win the Golden Bear as well. Did I? That sounds like something I would do. Um, you were like, if it's playing Sundance and Berlin, it's got to be good. <laughs> I mean, you know. There's certainly, uh, it's certainly interesting that it's playing Berlin, I think. Um, but this is the Phyllis Nagy, uh, screenwriter of, um, Carol. Carol. Uh, I believe it's her feature directorial debut. I think she, or. She, she made an HBO movie. Sure. Okay. Before Carol. Yeah. Um, but so this is the story of the Janes, which was like a pre Roe v. Wade um, abortion access uh, sort of like underground like they partnered with the like the mafia to like um, who do not like you don't have the mafia don't have a heavy presence in the film but you sort of hear about it a lot of like that's sort of like who they're in bed with but they essentially they're running this sort of like backdoor abortion clinic right and they're trying to help women who are pregnant and do not want to be to receive their the the healthcare that they want. Um and so um yeah, it stars Elizabeth Banks as like 
uh, this like pretty well off like you know upper middle class lady who gets pregnant and she has a child already and it's like who's grown who's like a teenager and this is would be her second child um and it comes to her through that she will that there's a high chance that if she carries the pregnancy to term it will kill her like the the, the she has a medical condition um and mm-hmm. so she attempts to seek a, an abortion through legitimate channels and it is shut down it, as you can imagine there's like a a, a, a you know, it's probably a scene that we've all probably seen before but i think it's pretty well done here where she's like in a meeting she, like she goes to like meet a board of doctors who are gonna like decide whether she's allowed to get an abortion or not and they like completely talk around her like she's not in the room and are like we've only made we've made like one exception in the last however many years of the history of this hospital and like and what are the odds that she'll survive like oh they're above half like well definitely not we're not gonna let you get an abortion here um and so she goes um a couple you know she she tries a few different things but eventually she finds like this flyer that's like call jane uh which is the like the flyers of this organization and she she procures her abortion through them. It's a there's another pretty good sequence I think where you like she goes through that process and like she goes up to the room, she pays the guy the money, she has all this um, you know, it's it's a it's you know, in the in in sort of in the vein of like never really sometimes always or something where it's like this is the process that it was, right? Uh and then she becomes more and more involved. She's, like, resistant at first, but she becomes more and more involved with this organization and, like, helping other women. And there's, like, Sigourney Weaver is, like, in charge of at least the local region. Um, and there's, like, all this these decisions that have to be made about who are they prioritizing? Like, are they able to prioritize things? Are they able to consider, like well, this person has a greater need versus this person is able to pay and that sort of thing. So there's, like, all that sort of stuff is, like, throughout the movie, and it's sort of that. Um, It's a little bit flat in the second half, I would say, where it just is sort of, like, gets a little caught up in some of that stuff of, like, well, we have to, like, this person is a stand-in for this point of view and this person is a stand-in for this point of view, which... Is something that I can like in a movie. I don't know if it's the best executed version of that in in this one, um, and it's yeah. I think it's pretty solid, if not like spectacular. Um, Elizabeth Banks is pretty good. Um, it's always nice to see Sigourney Weaver with like a nice part in a movie. Um, yeah, I think like it's definitely worth seeing. I don't like it. Certainly didn't knock me out or anything, but I think it. It was, like, a solid start to the festival. That's, I and overall, I would say with this festival, like, I saw, most things I saw, I was like, yeah, that's solid, or that's, like, pretty good. There was very few where I was like, oh, boy, this is, like, gonna be in my top ten for the end of the year or something, which I feel like last year where I, partially, probably because I saw more, I had more where I was like, yeah, this is, like, really strong stuff. Uh, This year I had a lot more that was just like, yeah, that's solid, and that's pretty good. That has, like, an element or two that I really responded to and, and some things that didn't work in it. Um, but yeah, Call Jane, I, I would be very surprised if it won the, uh, Golden Bear, uh, at Berlin, but, uh, that's, uh, those are my thoughts on that movie. Anyone have any questions or anything? 
<laughs> no. 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 Um, I saw... Uh, no, you go ahead. I saw the first part of Genius. Yes. The Kanye West documentary. And now you might be thinking, the first part, isn't it a movie? <laughs> this is what I thought also. <laughs> they, uh, I believe, I mean, there's a lot of discussion amongst myself with what Sundance did and whether or not I was duped. Because yeah. um, I was under the impression, because it's called Genius, like a trilogy or something. Um, mm -hmm. And I was under the impression that the movie that was playing uh, was the entire like four and a half hour three part three part series. or like yeah th three part that it's going to be split onto Netflix uh, whatever they were going to air it as on Sundance um, and then there was news about Kanye West like dem or sorry yay demanding uh, like final cut and right he, he was like reopen the edit bay yeah like, let me in uh, for the movie on before it movie. goes on Netflix. So I was like, wow, this is, like, I wonder if what's going to happen with the version that I see <laughs> as Sundance. And then when I went to watch it, I was like, it says it's only 89 minutes, and then it says that they're only showing part one. And I was like, okay, this is pretty yes. crazy. Um, but, yeah, it's, yeah. like, very good, I think, um, what I saw. Um, I'm very into the sort of archival documentary like obviously i loved beatles get back and then um a few years ago i loved like apollo was it apollo 11 no what was the um i think it's yeah. apollo 11 yeah. it was apollo yeah, okay apollo yeah, yeah. The, moon, um, the moon landing movie yeah, yeah um and then also i think that same year there was amazing grace and then obviously last year there was the uh quest love movie the summer of soul and those like all worked to varying degrees for me uh, and this one is more like um, just uh, the life of Ye at the time where he is like everyone who is sort of associating with him is like this guy is going to be big like he's, he just needs that thing and it's like a lot about Chicago music at the time and how no rappers had ever like broken through that were from Chicago and how, like, important it was to him to, like, be, uh, you know, like, obviously, like, just represent Chicago hard as, like, a great artist. And it's crazy to see him, like, just walk around, like, the Rockefeller studio or uh, Rockefeller offices and, like, play, <laughs> like, songs for people. Um, like, he's playing, like, All Falls Down or whatever. Um, and they're just like, okay, man, like, cool. And it's like, don't you understand how great this is? Like, and he's just like excited to show everybody everything. Um, and it's really like it, the, the score, which I don't know who did the score, but it's like this very sort of twinkly, like wistful score. And it, um, in certain moments, like when he is like excited about something or like, there's a bit where someone who he like came up with and like taught him how to do the sort of samples that he's famous for uh, is like upset that in some piece uh, it was like an XXL interview or something uh, that he didn't get like shouted out. It's on the radio. He's like talking trash and uh, yeah, he's like, what is, why are they doing this? Like, he's like, we are good friends. This is so like messed up and it's really like uh, emotional in those moments. And then there's a moment uh, or a few scenes where he goes to visit his mom 
Uh, and like, especially like after that, like he sort of, um, inter- he interacts with the, uh, the guy who is talking about him and, um, comes back to, uh, they like, they, inter- they have the conversation, like they meet up with each other and it's like very tense. And then afterwards he, uh, like goes to his mom's house and is like, just like having fun with his mom as like a way to recuperate, um. The problem with this movie is the director and narrator, Cootie, who is, like, an interesting guy because he directed these music videos and had this, um, like, cable access show about, like, hip-hop, and he obviously had an instinct to, like, follow Ye around and, like, film him for so long and just maintained all this footage for all these years and he uh and it like it, it, it's very like well constructed but the problem with it is as he narrates it and he's like the narration is very basic where he's like and it is at that moment that i knew that kanye west was a great artist and it's like yeah we we well, i get that it's like he just signed his record label um and then the, it's also funny that it starts off and he's like, before we get to, uh, to yay, you need to know who I am. And it's like, I'm a stand-up comedian in Chicago. And it's like, this is not what we are interested in. I'm not buying a ticket to see this movie. Uh, but other than that, it's like very just engrossing and engaging. And the, uh, the access that he had is like so crazy to think about now, like in, in retrospect of like what he was able to get. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I enjoyed watching it and I'll watch the other two parts when they come out. It seems like just the timeline of it all, like it ends with him. The first part ends with him yeah. signing his record deal and they have like a bit of a teaser of what's to come. And it seems like it's going to be like after or during his like car accident when he like makes through the wire and puts out, um, college dropout, um, which will be interesting to see. And I'm interested to see how, how deep it goes for the rest of it. Um, like how deep in the timeline it goes. Cause I don't know what they'll get to if in the second yeah. part, they're only like at his first album still. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it is like there was the weirdness with like, how much are they showing at Sundance? It seemed to me that many critics had seen the whole thing when their reviews were dropping but I'm not sure if yes. that was a difference in press access or just, like, they got screeners for the whole thing ahead of the time, which is certainly possible. Um, uh, and I'm also... Nothing... Like, no one ever responded in terms of the let me edit it. Like, let me into the editing room. Thing. Like, there was no public statement issued in response to that, I don't think, right? So I guess it's still to be determined if there is any change to the edit. Uh, so we'll have to wait to hear about that. Yeah. Do we want to just go... Do you have another one, Andy? Uh, sure. I saw uh, Resurrection, which maybe folks have been hearing some buzz about. That's been one of the buzzier titles, I feel like. Uh, Rebecca Hall. Right. Uh, starring uh, in a, uh, and Tim Roth, uh, with Tim Roth in a, like, creepy, spooky st- story. Um, uh, it's uh, about a woman who, essentially a man from her past, she's like a single mom, and a man from her past comes back into her life. And he was, like, abusive towards her. 
uh, and like really had like a cult of personality sort of thing relationship where he was like really like controlling her in some incredibly unhealthy ways, uh, including um, the to the point where she has like she had a child with him and like he like used that to manipulate her and stuff like that. So it's it's like it's that sort of like setup, but it's really like it is in like the freaky like wacky sort of crazy mode of these like horror movies that are 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 happening these days where it's like really like goes to some places that are like really um un like not naturalistic at all and it's like what is real what is not that sort of thing uh a couple of things about that i you know rebecca hall's really terrific in it she has this one like extended monologue where the camera really like zooms in on her and like the back like the lighting all goes out behind her and it's like just her in the frame telling the story essentially of what happened with this man who's played by tim roth um i'm not gonna spoil it but uh he has some outlandish claims that you wonder whether or not they are true uh, uh about uh what happened to their the, their child um uh and then yeah the ending really like it goes for it and is has um has a lot of has gets pretty gory gets pretty nasty and gets pretty crazy uh that's one where like i don't know if like any of the like metaphors or allegory or anything really holds together if you think about it like i feel like it it is less into that stuff than it is more interested in being like crazy and like uh like oh my god sort of thing uh which is a choice i can respect certainly uh in a movie like this uh and like i said rebecca hall's really terrific in it um what else yeah just roll into the I'll, next thing you saw yeah i can make an i can mention a couple more things. Uh, quick, uh we'll get to after yang soon. quickly so genius yes. is a netflix movie does anybody mm -hmm. have call james yes. no 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 does anybody yet. have resurrection uh yes, uh, yes. IFC, ifc shutter and bought shutter, it yeah. and they're gonna give it a theatrical run ifc is and then it'll be on shutter after that um uh the cathedral uh which you haven't seen at rotterdam yet i've right, not seen Jesse? it yet no. i will be seeing it shortly great um so that is it's the movie it stars brian darcy james which is basically the whole reason i saw it. what's the name of the director jesse <laughs> this is standum gone too far <laughs> exactly right. I, I mean it is a you know he is a well-liked director and the movie was reviewed well at venice sure um uh but uh yeah it stars shrek from shrek the musical uh one of the greatest performers of our time uh, uh and uh yeah he, uh, it's uh it's good it's uh interesting it's a about growing up in the like throughout the 2000s i think the character is like two years older than i am so like a lot of that like mm -hmm. i was like oh boy i remember the aesthetics and stuff of this time of being in school and all that sort of thing sure i mean it's um, based off the childhood of the director to some correct extent, no? yes yeah. right yes um and yeah brian darcy james plays his father uh it's uh it sort of gave me you know, I have very limited experience with these things, but we've watched some of them for the podcast. It would remind me a little bit of, I talked about this with Jesse already, remind me, a little, didn't, it had some 14 vibes, the Dan Salit movie that we talked about. It had some uh, uh, Pinheiro movie vibes, sort of like in mm -hmm. terms of like stylistically. Yes, um, both directors who uh, Ricky D'Ambrose did a uh, like 
filmic profile. Of... Sure. Right. Yes. We talked about that. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Like, and it's yeah. in, I, I, it's interesting. Cause I like, have seen some, I haven't seen many reactions to this. I know I saw, um, Richard Lawson really didn't like it. Uh, and like, was like naval, thought it was navel gazy and like a little, like some of the choices of like what he depicted was like, not, he was not cool with, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was it was interesting. It wasn't like the most exciting thing I saw, certainly, but it was like, yeah, this is like an interesting style and 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 story to tell. Um, and uh, I think it's worth checking out. And I, I would be excited to talk about Jesse with yeah. Jesse once she sees it. Um, all right. Uh, let's talk about. Should we talk about After Yang now? Why not? Sure. Which is the only thing all four of us have seen. That's true. Yes. Jesse, you like it, right? Yeah, I mean, I I don't love it. I it has sat pretty well with me. It just mm-hmm. I you know, it's kind of weird. It's like and like, you know, Columbus is kind of weird too, but like I I definitely at times felt like I was kind of bouncing off of it and like the characters are sometimes being held at like a bit of a remove but like ultimately it just is like really i don't know it just like is i think he is a really strong filmmaker and like yeah. i would like to maybe you know i i like columbus better i bet he will make other movies that i like better than this but i think this one is uh, pretty good too it's doing interesting i mean i read the or listened to i guess the short story that this was based on when it was announced and thought it was okay and like this definitely so like it stars um colin farrell as this father uh and then uh so he him and his wife, who's played by uh, Jody Turner-Smith, yeah, uh, they have adopted a daughter who's uh, Chinese, and mm-hmm. so then it's set in the moderately far future, and they bought this robot who, like, ostensibly is supposed to kind of help connect their daughter to her heritage, uh, but then the movie starts with this robot, uh, you know, essentially dying. Yeah, malfunctioning. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah, malfunctioning. Uh, and, you know, it. The, the short story really, like, just, like, follows, like, him attempting to get the robot fixed and then realizing that that is not doable uh, and then kind of just stops i mean the you know it the short story is just called yang and this is called after yang sure yeah uh, uh and like a lot of the stuff it's it's there is stuff added i think it the stuff that is there is like pretty faithful to the story i mean like the main things that are added are the two characters played by um Sarita Chaudhry, who is, like, uh, yes. works at a museum, uh, and, like, kind of curates stuff dedicated to artificial intelligence, and then, uh, Haley Lou Richardson as this young woman who, uh, kind of has 
unclear ties to Yang that are revealed throughout the film. Uh, And, like, I think both of those characters and the plot lines around them are, like, really interesting, rich additions to the original story. And so, yeah, I just... And, like, you know, Colin Farrell is really good. It's not, like... It's not necessarily a per- a character or a performance where he's, like, giving you a lot, but, like, there's a, right. a flashback to where um, he, he is, like, uh, he owns a tea shop, and so there's a flashback to a conversation that him and Yang, this mm-hmm. robot, are having about tea, uh, and I really like that scene. It just, I, I, you know, I think, you know, there's, like, he is, Koganada is a director who, like, has this really keen eye and really interesting ideas of framing. There's, like, some non-obnoxious uh, stuff done with aspect ratios that's just, like, a matter of, like, portraying sort of different technologies being used. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just think, I don't love it i don't think i'm gonna have like strong arguments against those of you who don't like it but i think it's quite good uh it is uh a24 is putting it out on march 4th you know a little over a month uh it's gonna be on showtime like the humans was (laughs) Uh, but the humans played some theaters this one's having a theatrical run as well right yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's they're releasing it in theaters and on Showtime on the same day. Yeah, yeah that's what um, happened. Which with is the what humans, they did with too. the humans. The humans did not play very widely theatrically. Like it never played locally to me or anything. Oh, and we sure. Usually get yeah, I mean, it did more. like a week or two at AFI. Yeah. So, but that was also a much more crowded time. So I am yeah, so optimistic like, we'll that see. it will play in I mean, a yeah. wider. I mean, it does, like, call we still, back like, to yeah, the We're still having, where, like, like, Macbeth is still playing here, so. Sure. I mean, A24 it, like, calls back to the days when A24 would have their normal movies, and then they'd have their uh, direct TV movies, where you'd be right. like, oh, there's an A24 movie coming out with uh, Oscar Isaac and Garrett Hedlund. Maybe that'll be interesting. And then you'd <laughs> see it was a direct TV movie, and you'd be like, oh, never mind. Yeah, sure you'd watch the trailer for Mohan. No ever see. And be like, this <laughs> <Sure>. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, you know I, I thought The Humans was pretty good. I think this is pretty good. They're not, it's, I don't know what the reasoning behind which of you know, like the I'm Apple movies sure it have is been <laughs> right, but like, why? Why is uh, you know? I I I just mean I don't know the reasoning behind why like uh, these two are Showtime. I mean, right. the the Apple like movies Zola were produced with Apple, and like yeah, Red yeah. Rocket or the Souvenir Part Two are yeah. theatrical movies, or you know. A lot of weird know. stuff going on with A24's release. Yeah, they <laughs> are maybe washed. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just to pipe in, I the thing I wanted to just shout out that I really agreed with what you said. I, I think Sarita Chowdhury is, like, really good in the movie in, like, a supporting yes. role. And, like, I think that character is really interesting in the way that she sort of interacts with Colin Farrell and, like, 
you can tell like she wants this thing, but she doesn't want to push you. Like, like I think there's a lot going on in that character that I really responded mm-hmm. to. And I think she's like really interesting uh, and it's a really good performance. And she's most, she's weirdly come to my attention because she's also on and just like that right now and is doing like a pretty good <laughs> job on that show. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Sarita Chowdhury, she's having a moment. I'm into it. Yeah. I mean like the, it's interesting. I think like both of those, characters that are added i think what they're bringing to it is that like most of the characters that exist in the short story are not like not particularly empathetic to what colin farrell and his family are going through and so both Mm -hmm. of those characters the chaudry character and the hilly richardson character are you know for different reasons much more empathetic characters and just like kind of uh you know it just like is nice to see it just makes the story a lot nicer i guess in the end than what the uh and like they're also much more empathetic to yang to this robot uh which like you you kind of have uh this family is, like, alone in that, in, like, having had that experience, even though it's, like, I think is presented as being, like, fairly common for, like, families to have these robots, basically, as an alternative to, like, hiring a nanny or whatever. Yeah. So, like, it makes sense that because it's kind of common, there would be people who are able to kind of empathize with them. Yeah, I, uh don't really like the movie that much i think it has its moments um like Jesse was mentioning the scene where they're talking about tea there's a bit where colin farrell does a Werner herzog impression from yeah, i right. think like referencing a less blank movie yes. um and it's pretty funny um and there's like other things that i'm like this works like a lot more than what doesn't in the movie and i also am a fan of columbus and I'm interested to rewatch that now, considering how much I bounce off of this. But um, I don't know. It's just like, I think it's sort of drowns in its aesthetic choices to the point where I'm like, I can't really like buy into a lot of the emotion. Like you said that its use of like different aspect ratios isn't obnoxious, which I would mostly agree with. But when it first happened, it is like happening when... Because the movie, like, just starts, basically, and there's a lot of stuff happening. And I was like, if it's going to be bouncing around like this so much, like, this is going to be one of the most annoying <laughs> movies that I'm, like... Because it's, like, just doing so much stuff that, I, like, isn't what I, like, loved from Columbus. And then when I realized, like, what the decision behind changing the aspect ratio was, like, it makes more sense. And I... It is not, like, obnoxious. And then, um... It's just, there's, like, there's, um, it feels like it will touch on something of, like, this is an interesting idea, and then it just sort of abandons it, and doesn't really go deep on anything other than just, like, how, like, sad it is to, like, lose a loved one. Um, Um, I mean, this is not something that I necessarily got out of it, but I have heard from other people that it is, like very perceptive about, like, what it is like to sort of grow up, grow up and, like, be 
from one cult have this one culture that's part of your heritage and to kind of be pushed into this other yeah yeah i can see that Uh, yeah i mean i mean that is i'm sort of with colin in that it's like that's like 20 percent of the movie and then 20 percent of the movie is some other idea and then 20 percent of the movie is some other idea and i just don't think they give any of it enough time for any of it to really hit so even though like the identity stuff is in there i just didn't connect with it because i feel like they sort of like approach getting into it and then like backed mm-hmm. off to be in to chase whatever other sci-fi like future idea conceit it has yeah and also i don't think it does a particularly good job of ever like taking those ideas and presenting it in a way that it's like emotionally relatable i guess i don't know it's just like it's it the movie has like it's aesthetic choices and then it's like ideological like choices and then i don't think they ever come together in a, in a way yeah. that i find that compelling i think the i think that the like cold sci-fi thing it's doing like performance wise the like colin listen colin farrell has given a lot of these like robot-y performance and i like killing of a sacred deer a lot and i like lobster and i like a lot of the other times he does it but i just i just find it like too cold here i like i need them i yeah. think i need the movie to be warmer for a lot of the other stuff to register and i do think there's moments in which it approaches that sort of warmth when it like especially around the Haley Lou Richardson character but that again even that is like what I like in my mind a small part of a movie like the movie's like two hours long and that feels like 25 minutes worth of it and it's like I when I finished watching it I was like I think I like that but I have reservations with it and it and like the farther away I get from it it's like well, what I liked about it is just like such a small part of it that I don't know if I yeah. can qualify as saying I think I like the movie, especially because also the ending, like the conclusion, like I think a lot of the Haley Lou Richardson stuff is very interesting, and then but then the conclusion they reach with it, I found sort of trite and uncompelling. So, yeah, um, there is like you talking about the sort of cold sci-fi of it. The closest I think that gets to doing something where I was like excited by it is like at one point uh Farrell is like wearing these glasses uh and basically looking through all of like the stored memory of Yang and mm-hmm. I think uh aesthetically how that is presented is like very interesting and like works uh I think the most out of anything in the movie other than the guy whose name I don't have off the top of my head who plays like the robot repairman? Richie Cox. Uh, who I think yeah. Richie Cox. Yeah, I think he's really good, and I think um, uh, Clifton Collins Jr. is also like very good as like in this cold sci-fi world where everyone is like pretty robotic. He is like uh, he feels just like a regular guy in this world where he's like, hey, like you want to have a beer later and like watch the game? And it's like, what do you mean watch the game? There's like robots and these crazy like. TikTok dance competitions that everyone's in. Um, but then there's, like, other stuff of, like, they mentioned, like, that Colin Farrell is, like, uh, maybe, like, uh, prejudiced, against, prejudiced against clones. And it's just, like, this little, like, I, I suppose a bit of world building of, like, that these clones also exist in the movie with the robots and, like, how far technology has gotten. But then it's, like, 
does Carlin Farrell like have a prejudice against anything? He seems very blank. Yeah, like um, like I can't I can't I mean, imagine Colin that Colin Farrell character getting heated about anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I don't think it's ever implying that he's like a virulent bigot. Uh no, I mean I agree that it's like kind of weird the like adjacency of this performance to his Lanthimos performances yeah. and I think just the fact that those exist and are both so close while so tonally different maybe just like works against this a little bit i kind of settled in to what he was doing eventually yeah um though yeah. it's also like if it was just him i can sort of see that but also it's like i don't i think jody smith turner also falls into the same trap i think even the kids it's like even yang Yang is probably the closest that comes to working, but th that is because Yang is the only character who's like literally a robot, so you have to give yeah, it the leeway of right. like this is. But even the like the little girl, it's like it's like plays a weird balance. Of, I mean, like, she is a little girl who has mainly been socialized by a robot. Sure, I guess I just I don't know. It's like. I can see all of it making sense. I would just be very much lying if I found it compelling at all. Yeah. I mean, right, that's where I just, like, disagree. I think it largely is compelling. Andy, did you have any extra thoughts? No, I, yeah, I mean, I like the... I'm, I'm much more on Jesse's side. I just found the movie sort of inherently interesting. I did... Like, I definitely don't think... Like, it doesn't quite achieve, like, total liftoff or greatness or anything... Uh, I, there's definitely is, are points where I'm like, okay, like, it's like, this is like, not quite like hitting in the way that like, it feels like it should be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, you know, it's worth checking out one. It was, it was on the upper tier of the things I saw, I think. Um, and I, I, you know, Colin Farrell, uh, I mean, he, it's opening like the same day as Batman, right? Isn't it? Or something like that. Sure. Or like is. around the same time. Um, so that's going to be funny to have, uh, both, uh, uh him, uh, as a uh, penguin and, uh, and this, uh, I need him to go penguin time. mode more. He should have been going penguin mode in this movie. I'd be like, ah, no, yeah. no, no, that yeah. looks so stupid. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh. I mean, you're going to get your wish. He's doing a whole HBO Ugh. Penguin miniseries. Oh, we have to move on. Ah. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, I mean, we can talk about this. I mean, I saw... Uh, Jesse, you've seen this. I saw Happening. Um, oh, sure. Okay. It, which uh, won Venice. Um, mm -hmm. Which is another abortion Yeah, what did you think of that? Movie. I'm curious. Uh, yeah, I liked it yeah. um okay. very 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 <laughs> confident <Sammy. laughs> i no, mean I, I saw so many fucking movies it's hard to remember what i thought of any of them uh and all, i guess i should mention i saw because like because of my work schedule i watched all my sundance movies over the course of like maybe 52 hours or something like i watched like 11 movies in a extremely short amount of time um uh yeah i mean it's like it's, it was, I think it's a good, like, another a good example of, like, a good process movie, right? Where it's, like, 
just like going step by step it it's very effect like it very effectively deploys like how time is passing in the like it, it keeps throwing up like how many weeks it's been right um yes. on this like on the screen as like it transitions between scenes and stuff and i think like all that stuff is like very effective and you really do feel like the character's frustration with the system and like mm-hmm. her trying to find something someone sympathetic to help her through this um the stuff with like her school like how it causes her to fall behind in school and stuff i guess i was not quite as into Mm -hmm. um where like the and like i get like why you're doing that and why you're depicting that and like showing the like professor as having no sympathy or whatever like all that's like those those choices all make sense but i don't know if they're like the most wonderfully executed right i mean it's not so much that the professor has no sympathy as that she is not able to give him an opening to be sympathetic because she cannot share what is going on with him yeah um yeah i mean it is it's just like a weird movie i mean it is i think it is and maybe this is silly to say because there are ways in which it's obviously uh similar to time and it's a movie directed by a french woman that won uh one of the major, major European, European film festivals. Yeah. But it is like it's interesting to think about those two movies together. Yeah. Um and yeah, I don't know, I like this more than Titan. I also am kinda just like, yeah, there's like some interesting stuff going on. I don't know that it is always working. Um it definitely feels like it I mean again it's like I it, it probably would have been a better choice for the uh um Oscar submission like I think it probably would have made the long list sure uh, yeah, but you can kind of see you while yeah. they're like well if we're gonna submit this why don't we just submit to Tan right swing um, big yeah, yeah. um uh, I guess I saw, uh, I'll just mention a couple of th- smaller things that, like, I didn't, like, love, and then we'll, we'll maybe circle back to some more stuff that other people have seen. Uh, I saw Alice, which is the Kiki Palmer sure. movie, um, where she, it's, like, the, um, uh, the, um, she's, like, she's not, she is a slave on, like, a plantation, plantation yeah. and then she finds out it's actually the 1950s i think i forget what decade exactly but it's like it's not then and she escapes and like then has to like build a life and like reckon with this whole horrible thing that these people have done to her yeah um it's one where like just in like i was feeling fatigued and like i checked out pretty early 1973 is what it takes place 1973 that's what when she comes out sure uh i i checked out of it pretty early like and like couldn't necessarily like work up the energy to like really fully engage with what it was doing i ended up not liking it very much possibly because of that if i gave it another shot with like fresher energy uh i might respond to it more but i don't think it was handling things particularly i feel like yeah the buzz was well generally pretty tepid not yeah yeah i mean i feel like it was a weird thing because like people just felt weird about like the fact that a thing that happens like halfway through the movie was presented as the premise yeah 
It feels like what I because I think when we were even talking about it in our like lineup breakdown, I was like, this feels like a thing they shouldn't have said. <laughs> that would have been maybe cool <laughs> to discover this as you're watching it. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then just one other uh, quick thing. Uh, I saw God's Country, which is uh, stars Tandiwe Newton as uh, she's like a, a professor at a college and um, it lives like way out in like a big, she has like a big rural like tract of land. And she's recently suffered a loss um, and uh, she, some guys like start like drive up with their truck and like want to park on her land so that they can go hunting and she uh comes into conflict with them and it sort of escalates um and at the same time she's also dealing with like efforts to like diversify her college her college's like staff uh, and she's like pu pushing for that and is like encountering a lot of resistance so it has sort of these dual things um it's a little that one's like it's it, there's good stuff in that one and that's one that i really think if i watched it fresh and not in the middle of a film festival i would get a lot more out of it i think tendy newton is very good in it it's nice to see her in just like a clean like starring vehicle uh and like to see her carry a movie is really cool and exciting um but yeah other other than that didn't get that much out of that one uh it has you know it's it's it it, 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 it goes to some like very like action places that i'm like not this often a turn off for me um um i'm just gonna jump in yes. right here real quick with when you finish saving the world which is the jesse eisenberg movie which is the first sundance yes. movie i watched uh starring julianne moore and Phil, finn wolfhard as like the movie sort of which was like the opening night movie or like the opening night movie yes. the movie is basically well they do this like day one thing now where like each section has a thing that plays on opening night uh right? yeah i guess yeah yeah but uh it's basically about film wolf art it's like this kid on like sort of twitch who like sings songs for like a massive audience on twitch and he's like writing these like bad like personal like emotional folk songs and julianne moore is his mother julianne moore is his mom who like runs a like battered women's shelter and they're basically there it's like they're it's a movie about their relationship and how like julianne moore is like ah oh, you're such a dumb kid who like doesn't know anything about the world and finn wolfhard is like well i'm like gonna be famous and you're like not helping anybody really and it's just both of it's just basically them trying, like, both being sort of awful people and, like, not getting each other. It's like, it's like if somebody watched Margaret and, like, was trying very hard to make something like Margaret, but just made something, like, sort of, like, not good and sort of embarrassing. I really didn't like it. I think it's performed uniformly awful. Finn Wolfhard in particular is, like, and I'm not even going to sit here and be, like, Finn Wolfhard, all these fucking stranger things, kids. I hate them all. It's like, is it whatever? There's some good ones. There's some bad ones. I'm sure there might be a world where they give you a good performance. Like the fact that I don't like the Julianne Moore performance actually, what sort of like means that I just think this movie is just uniformly poorly directed. I just, I just, it's just like grading, and it's like sort of trying to be about it being grading, but like not landing that. And I don't think it has like any interesting perspective on like what does it mean 
to be either of these people and what their relationship like at the end it sort of ends with them coming together again sort of but and it like doesn't earn that at all Mm -hmm. uh the one performance i did like it like there is a jo sanders who plays Mm. uh uh wolfheart's dad julianne moore's husband he just it's like a guy who's just like it's basically they just get into all these arguments and he just sits there and is like, well, I also had a thing today and just like plays the guy who was just like <laughs> weird. <laughs> who just like weirded out by the entire dynamic and just like you both are selfish and I'm just trying to be a normal person. What is wrong with you? And that that's a pretty good, funny part of the movie. But yeah, anything mm-hmm. around the center is just not it. It's just. Jesse Eisenberg should not direct another movie, in my opinion. It is, wow. is the conclusion I am coming to. But uh, yeah, that is sure. all. I, that's an A24 movie. They should put it out. They, whatever They should put it out on whatever is under Showtime. Stars. Yeah. <laughs> Release it on, on... Epic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Crackle, whatever. Straight to Crackle. <laughs> straight to Fortnite. It, it makes sense oh, to straight great. to Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> Andy. That's right, yeah. Great. Um, all right. Uh, uh, one thing that I that only I saw that I'm going to talk about a little bit at length, and then we'll talk about some more things that most people saw. Um, uh, My Old School uh, documentary, uh, which, how, which I thought didn't realize was a documentary until I pressed play on it, because <laughs> the sill is like a Ellen Cumming in like a costume. Uh, and it's because... Um, so it's, it's one of those, like, you'll never believe this fucking crazy story, like documentaries sort of in like the vein of like three perfect strangers or like those sorts of things. Wild Country, is that what that other one is called? Whatever that old Netflix one Maybe. about like the cult? Wild Wild Country is the mini series about the cult. Yeah. That's like a cult mini series. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's that sort of a thing where it's like. This like this wild thing really happened, uh, which is like not usually a genre of documentary that does a lot for me. It maybe helps that I saw this one at a film festival, literally not knowing that it was a documentary based on a true story. So like I didn't have like any expectations, and I hadn't had the premise explained to me. Like it, it's one where I'm literally like, if you know what the premise of this is going in, it maybe doesn't work as well for you. But uh, that being said, I'm about to say what the premise is right now, which is that it's about um, this uh, this guy who um, uh, uh, who like goes to a Scottish high school uh, and uh, come like joins late, and eventually it comes out that he is actually. Uh, 31 years old and 30 like 31 or 32 years old and he's like doing it again um and he's like re-enrolled himself and it's like this whole conspiracy that he's like enmeshed himself in so that he can because he's too because the thing is is he's too old to like go to medical school to become a doctor so he's like i have to go all the way back uh and like start over and like he goes back to his same old school and like has several of his same old teachers and stuff and completely like fools all these people uh of um him like being a a high school student and it's like it's very interesting because like he doesn't want to be filmed but he does interviews and so they'll cut to interviews and it will be alan coming like lip syncing with his audio interviews but then also a lot of it is animated because they don't have footage from 
the actual stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's all like animated in this cartoony style. And Alan Cumming is doing the voice of him in the in the. Vo- so he's like two. Alan Cumming is doing like two halves of the performance, but they're like not in the same parts of the movie, which I think is really interesting. Um, uh, in like a fun stylistic choice mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, I mean, it goes to some interesting places and, like, explores some interesting stuff. I think about, like, your memories of, like, like, he, at one point, he's, like, he does a production of South Pacific and, like, there's, like, everyone, like, talks about how he was, like, really good and actually, like, a really good singer and then, like, they have footage of it and it's, like, they all watch it and they're, like, oh, wow, he's, like, not a good singer and he, like, looks 32 (laughs) years old. Like, it's crazy that we all believed it knowing that, like, looking at it knowing what we know now. Um, But, yeah, and, like, Alan Cumming, I guess, has been attached to some version of the story because they were gonna just, like, make a movie out of it, like, back around when it happened. And, like, he was attached to it from then, so he's sort of been attached to the story for a while. So, which he talked about a little bit in, like, the the, the pre-show uh, thing. Um, but, yeah, I really had a good time with it. I think it's fun and, 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 and like, really, like, got a lot of, you know... It's, it's, it's one of those, like, very easy watches that goes down and is, like, literally is, like, yeah, what a crazy story. I'm, that's, I think, is, like, pretty well told uh, and uh, does explore some interesting thematic... Uh, material about like why he was doing this and why he people were willing to believe him and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a really I mean, good time with it. It was yeah. I mean that reminds so. me of the uh, the Penny Lane movie from a few years ago, Knots, which was like another like you won't believe this crazy shit happened. That had a mm-hmm. lot of animation in it mm-hmm. uh, because it was about something that happened in the eighteen hundreds uh, about sure. John R. Brinkley. Uh, he did a lot of things, but I guess yeah. the thing the title is referencing is that he uh, convinced people that if he sewed uh, goat testicles into their scrotums, it would make them more fertile. Wow. That's like... Yeah. Um... There was a point at which uh, Richard Linklater was going to do it with Robert Downey Jr., and I feel like that might have been fun. But... Sure. There's a, the other doc, a Tickled from a few years ago. I don't know if anyone remembers that, which is yeah, about, Yeah, like, I remember that. Tickling, I feel like people like, had problems with that, but yeah, sure. I remember it was when a, it came out. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I saw that, and that was another one where it was like, this is crazy. Like, that yeah. sort of thing. Um, and that was at Sundance, too. I think sure. most of these movies we're talking about were at Sundance. Yeah. yeah. What you were talking about, um, my instinct is that that sounds incredibly scary. <laughs> And it makes me think of that movie, The Imposter, where it's, like, mm. the guy who, like, pretended to be a child mm-hmm. and then, like, mm-hmm. lived with a family. And it's, like, people believing that adults are children is right. so scary. <laughs> and, like, I would hate for that to happen to me. <laughs> and, like, you saying it, like, truly I can't describe, like, how on edge I was when you were talking. <laughs> it sounds just, like, the idea of, like someone old being in a school who's not a teacher is just like so scary (laughs) (laughs) so scary i i mean like genuinely who's not a teacher like they're like they let like delivery no no, i understand but like someone like being there like like especially just like literally pretending to be a student yeah it's just horrifying yeah no I feel like there are cer- there's certainly aspects where they get into where it's like it is in retrospect it is quite disturbing like 
what he was doing. And like they they do examine that. It's more it's not like it's more much more lighthearted where it's not like that is not the tone the entire time. Sure. So I don't know if you would jive with it, Cullen. No, but, uh, yeah, it sound, it's, yeah. Um, but like just the idea of like imagine if someone was like this kid in your class was actually 30. I'd be like <laughs> throwing up. <laughs> like that's such like a betrayal on a human level. It's so scary. Um, Great. What if the opposite happened? What if they were like this guy who graduated high school the same years ago, year, year as you was 10. I, that would be better. Cause then I'd be like, <laughs> I would just be like, okay, this is like some genius, and I knew them. <laughs> or he must have had some medical condition or something that like let him pass his. Sure, I wouldn't really my age, whatever. Pass um, that sort of thing. <laughs> all right, uh, shall we talk about the Dakota Johnsons? Sure. Uh, talk about the uh, one that you saw. Sure, and then we'll close on Sharpstick. I think. Sure. Um, so yeah, so the one that I, that only I saw was I, "Am I Okay." which is um, the uh, directorial debut of Tig Notaro and Stephanie Lynn, uh, who are yes. spouses, um, uh, which is the story of Dakota Johnson uh, and uh, Sonoya Mizuno from uh, Devs, I guess is what I know her from best. Yeah. She's in uh, Maniac, Maniac too, right? Ex and uh, Ex Machina, yeah. Sure. Um, uh, they're like best friends and like to the point where they're like codependent on each other. Uh, and the basically the premise is like Dakota Johnson is like late twenties, early thirties, and is like just sort of coming to terms with her sexuality and is like starting to come out as a lesbian. Um, and um, it's about and and also at the same time, Sonoya Mizuno is um, getting a her job is going to relocate to London. So it's about the, their friendship and like Dakota Johnson is like really socially uncomfortable and like doesn't like putting herself out there and stuff and Sonoya Mizuno is pushing her to like get out there more and 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 that sort of a thing that it's it's their friendship has like a lot of ups and downs that's really like the central arc of it is like where their relationship is and how dependent they are on each other and mm-hmm. and that sort of a thing um and then like Dakota Johnson has like her first like fling and like starts to form attachments and that doesn't necessarily go well and that sort of thing um I thought it was very charming. It's not like, it's not really laugh out loud funny in the way that you might expect like a Tig Notaro movie to be necessarily. Although I guess right. I watched all of One Mississippi, her Amazon mm-hmm. show. Which Stephanie which was, Allen also worked on. Yes. Which was, I guess, somewhat similar in tone where it was like, mm-hmm. it could be funny and certainly had like good funny performances on in it. But it was not like a laugh riot sort of thing and i will say tignataro's one scene cameo in am i okay is like i found very fun it's like a very stock comedic character where she's sure. like a like a hippie at a retreat or whatever who's like you That's need to funny. like like let me like help you like in the hammock it's like a hammock retreat where everybody's just hanging out in hammocks <laughs> the whole time um yeah, uh that and, good. yeah and she's like the, the like the calm ethereal presence who's like just talking about how healing a hammock is or whatever which i found very funny um yeah it, it, i found it very charming and, and i think it's like it's i think hbo max bought it um mm-hmm. which it feels like a good fit for me uh for that uh and i think it'll probably like find a little bit of an audience on there it's just a low-key charmer that i really liked and it was definitely the dakota johnson vehicle that i responded to much more um of the sure. two as we move on to talk about the other one, I will which was say quite... I think they're 
making the two of them are making another movie already i feel mm-hmm. like i heard that's cool yeah they're making another movie that i think oh judd apatow's producing it and it's uh... gonna be uh they co-wrote it but just stephanie allen is directing it and the tignatar is gonna star in it sure um, I'm just to jump in with some quick breaking news. Nanny has Ooh. not gotten acquired, but the director of Nanny's next movie will be a universal movie under Monkey Paw, which is Jordan Peele's production. Okay, Jordan Peele, oh. yeah. So mm. that is something that just came out. I found it interesting. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, that could be good. We'll see. I mean, I guess I would like to see Nanny as well. Um, but yes, Cha Cha Real Smooth. To get into cha-cha real smooth which was one of the the probably the buzziest movie of the festival yep sold to um, apple for 15 million dollars <laughs> yes uh which, which is, is fucking funny. insane yeah <laughs> truly I mean, it's ridiculous like, this is like we're, we're probably we'll probably talk a little bit more briefly about like the deals of it like it's all streaming services these days like yeah. i don't think yes. any of the like a24 obviously like had after yang but like was going into it like i don't think anything that isn't a streaming service that has pub- publicly bought anything. Uh, so so any pictures classic bought living, but we can get into that later. Right. Oh, yes. sure. Yes. Um, but like even um, like Re- uh, resurrection right. was like shudder mm-hmm. with IFC. Um, uh, but yeah, Apple paid $50 million for Cha Cha Real Smooth, which is uh, <laughs> Cooper Rafe, who I believe Cullen has spoken about in the past. Um, well, yeah. This podcast. It's interesting. I never saw Shit House. Same. It's interesting that I watched this, you might think, because I went hard against Cooper Rafe in this game that he pulled on Hollywood at large uh, when we did our <laughs> Sundance lineup breakdown. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I was talking out of my ass. I said I made a bold claim that no one liked Shit House. And then, like, I think the day that we recorded that, I looked at Letterboxd and I was like, oh, everyone I follow likes this movie, basically. So I was like, maybe I was wrong. I'll see his new movie. And it sucks. <laughs> the guy made a very bad movie, I think. Yeah, I really found it grating. Um, it, people are really, like, it won the Audience Award in the mm-hmm. U.S. competition. Like, it did very, it's, it is built to be a crowd pleaser. It's like... Uh, you know, it's like a low-key romantic comedy sort of like character study thing yeah. about a, a, a just a post-grad young man who's still living at home uh, who um, uh, is a little bit aimless in life. You'll be shocked to hear. Doesn't yeah. quite know where what direction he's it's going. Such a in. bold story. <laughs> what if a white guy was sad out of college? <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You'll uh, not be sad he, at the end. Right. He starts uh, be, being a, a, a party starter at bar mitzvahs, a bar and bat mitzvahs yeah. um, for his like parents' friends. And his like br- he has a younger brother who's like in middle school. Yeah, like eighth um, grade or something. Yeah, uh, and uh, who is like doing that circuit right now and like attending a lot of those. And at the first one he goes to that he just like escorts his brother to – and then, like, winds up doing, like, a lot of par- party starting just, like, because the party isn't getting started. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he meets uh, Dakota Johnson, who has, uh, who is a single mother. Or, no, she's, she's yeah, she's just currently a single mother, although she is engaged. Yeah. And she um, has a uh, autistic daughter. Yeah. Um, who, uh, you know, is, she and she has, like, a 
she has a very <laughs> strong relationship with her daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Cooper Rafe uh, forms a relationship with both Dakota Johnson and the daughter. And basically a lot of this movie is like Cooper Rafe, like trying to show off how like good to talk to he is. I feel yeah. like, like it's like, he's, he's like, like what if I was the most charming guy in history? And it's right. like everyone, and, but loves like him. also it doesn't make me happy. Like how charming I am. Like can't bring me satisfaction or whatever. Um, uh, yeah. And so I found like, it really tries to pull a lot of, I think like, yeah, that sort of like, wow, look at this guy. He's like, he's so good with other people and yet he can't figure himself out or whatever. And, like, it just sort of rang false to me. And yeah. I don't think it really worked. Uh, yeah. Which is not, what? like, many people thought it did. So A lot of people do love it. it. Yeah. I think yeah. Um, I'm, like, going hard against it. I think it has things that are good about it. Like, I, there are moments that I can't deny. I think Dakota Johnson is, like, very solid in it. Um, yeah. And they do have, like, good chemistry together. And uh, the actress who is playing the daughter, I think, is very good as well. And, like, uh, they have these sort of interesting things that happen in it. But it is just so, like, insidious almost for this guy to make this movie about himself. Where it's like, he is at this bar mitzvah where no one's having fun. So he, like, makes everyone start dancing and then, like... All of the sort of moms on the circuit are like, you need to like come do this at our party, uh, for our bar mitzvah or whatever. And he's like, okay, like I'll do that. Like, and as he's like trying to find a job, and there's like a moment, uh, where he's like he googles like, uh, like please give me a job or something to that. Like it's so lame. <laughs> there's like a lot Is of his character in this movie Jewish. I think so. I think they're supposed to be Jewish. Yeah. Okay. Leslie Mann is his mom. And Brad Garrett mm, is sure. her boyfriend. Is his, like, stepdad. But, yeah, yeah there's also, like, stuff about, like, his mom is bipolar, and they sort of just reference it offhand. Right. And she's, like, had an epi- She, like, had a major public episode. Recently, like, when he past. gets there. Um, yeah. But it's mm-hmm. just, like, the moments where it is, like, you know, vibey and charming, and it's, like, yeah, it's, like, yeah. fun to see, like these people have fun together in a way, but the rest of it is just so trite and like a movie that I've literally seen a hundred times and like watching like the opening scene, basically you can write the ending. It is such a basic (laughs) movie that I can't believe it's like, people are like, Oh my God, what a fucking creative voice we have in Cooper Rafe. Finally, the gods are shining on us. And it's like, have you seen every other Sundance movie in history? And we are just in love with this one. It's so crazy to me, but yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. I like the stuff with his mom. I think like, that's like a well-drawn relationship and it's like pretty good. Uh, I, and I am somewhat resistant to the, like, meta read of, like, look at this guy, like, casting himself as this, like, charming guy. or Like, I, I I tend to be sort of resistant to, like, applying those things to movies. And even, like, even if you're not doing that, I don't think, like, the character comes off very well sure. in this movie. Uh, doesn't come off as well as the movie wants him to. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that is what the movie is trying very hard to do that. And, like... I think, like you're saying, it doesn't really succeed in making him likable, but I think that is what his goal is. Um, Sure. And, like, yeah, I mean, there's, like, moments where it works. Like, there's a scene where 
um, Dakota Johnson like has a miscarriage and is in a bathroom and they need to like get her out and like the plan of doing that is getting like these giant novelty like oversized t-shirts uh, for them to wear out and it's like oh that's like a funny idea of like the guy in his world of bar mitzvahs like how he works his way out of it or whatever but then like it is just everything else that happens in it is so like pat and like just annoying almost um but yeah i mean yeah completely like unsubstantial movie sure coming soon to apple yep <laughs> uh i mean i can't imagine like it'll be like an awards darling this i mean year, who knows I, you know, <laughs> yeah um maybe the indie spirits but like who knows yeah um and then finally yeah and then finally the, the movie of the moment songs. yes it starts Dunham's time, back. baby She's boy is ever. she back <laughs> what a fucking truly a gift to have her back <laughs> I, I mean, we are a pro Lena Dunham podcast. Oh, well, 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 problematic fave, certainly. Um, just for the story of like how excited I was for Sharpstick, I was like, I'll see it. It's the new Lena Dunham. I love girls. I think Tiny Furniture's good. It'll be great. And then, like, as I'm doing something else or whatever, uh, in our group chat, Amelia was like, she might have fucking nailed it. And I was like, let's go. Dunham is back. So I was That's already right. like, Amelia saw it first and like started to build the hype train yeah, for us. And he was it like, was, it's uh... like very good. And uh, there's like moments of like, Amelia's like, there's this bit where they play impossible or whatever. And I was like, That's hilarious. And then I watched a movie and uh, basically the entire time I was like smiling from ear to ear. I was so happy. <laughs> But yeah, Emilio, yeah. talk about it. Yeah, so Sharp Stick, I've like seen you Lena done a movie. It's it's a hard plot to summar to summarize because it has a lot yeah. of like t- weird twists and turns that you are sort of yeah. expecting. But it's sort of about this young girl. Well, no, it's a young woman. What's her name? Yeah, uh, Sarah Joe. Sarah, yeah, Sarah Joe. Her, what, very funny. She's like twenty three years. She's twenty six. Like she that. said like twenty six. Yeah, yeah. She is like um, sort of a. She's sort of. I, I guess I don't know enough about like what she was studying. She like sort of works as a like helper, like a home health, like a home home health aide for like kids with this like who are differently abled. And she, her mom is played by Jennifer Jason, yeah, Lee. Jennifer Jason Lee, and she in a very funny performance. And her sister so is Taylor Page. And a hilarious performance. <laughs> so. This movie is very funny, I guess, is what the yeah, it's very, very truly funny. cackling. Yeah, and it's sort of about her discovering her sexuality because she sort of yeah. she as a teen had a hysterectomy because she got trampled at school. So she sort of went into arrested development sexually. So as she's twenty six and she and her mom and her sister are both very like let's say sexually forward people at one point yeah. at one point Jennifer <laughs> Jason Lee says she had four California divorces perfect line. <laughs> um and she decides to go on this journey of like self-discovery and like has sex with a bunch of people including uh god how can I forget his name uh John, John Bernthal and wow yes one, I mean one really... of the one of the performances of the the young year so far who is yeah he is just absolutely hilarious every second he is on screen sort of playing off what his is his like 
IRL persona, sort of like his like yeah. weird, very like almost aggro, charming flirtiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Yeah. And, Guy who's like trying really hard to like make you like him. Yeah. And it works. <laughs> you just see that at the beginning where he's like making pancakes and he's like, hey, what you want? A pancake? Let's do a little rocket. Yeah. Open up, little man. I got your rocket here. What you want? Yeah, little? he's like, what right. kind of shape do you want, Sarah Joe? And she's like, a mouse. He's like, let's see what I can do. Make a mouse, baby. Right. You gotta <laughs> think about that one. Yeah. Gotta, gotta ruminate on that. Like, uh, I mean, every single thing that he does is hilarious. He does yeah. wear a hoodie that just says Irie for a lot of the movie. Um,. <laughs> There's a the 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 movie is like she works as a nanny, uh, or like a, you know a health a like you were saying uh, for Lena Dunham and John Bernthal's son, right, uh, who has Down syndrome. Yes, um, or is played by an actor with Down syndrome. Yeah, and uh, Lena Dunham is pregnant also, um, and she ends up having a relationship with Bernthal, and then sort of in discover like working with him or working like being with him and like talking about sexuality and trying different things including learning what porn is basically she finds a porn star played by scott speedman uh who basically does like uh like asmr affirmations like, yeah, yeah like attentive like right pov like, direct yeah. yeah and he what's the character's name it's like Lance, right? Yeah, it's like Lance something. It's like a very like typical like poor fake boy. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and she, as I described it on Letterboxd, she basically does the to-do list where she's like, I want to do all of these different sexual acts before I meet the guy Lance. <laughs> and like, that's the dream or whatever. Yeah. And she's like writing this letter to him and like... Vance Leroy. Vance Leroy, of course. <laughs> my, my mistake. Um, and she like... Uh, does like decoupage and like makes these giant lists that she puts on her walls of like cream pie and like anal and uh, has to take them down off of her walls anytime someone comes in um, and ba- like gets on these dating apps or hookup apps basically just to like cross everything off the list um, yeah. but it is just so funny and like I've said it I think I just, like, have said it in life because I've been talking about this fucking movie so much that I was like, it's so exciting to know what Lena Dunham thinks of everything that's been going on for the past two years. <laughs> and, like, it's truly, like, there's weird, like, not weird stuff, but just, like, stuff with, like, COVID and, like, the name Sharpstick comes from her, I guess, real life as she, like, called the vaccine Sharpstick and it just stuck. <laughs> and, like, she called the movie that also because there's, like, I think in the movie they say something about, um, like, when she had her hysterectomy that it felt like a sharp stick or something like that. Yeah, um, she just felt like she had a sharp stick stuck in her, and she can never, like, yeah. explore that part of herself, and then eventually, now she can, or whatever. Yeah. And it's, like, uh, there's, like, the COVID stuff is so, like, weird. It's, so like, almost soft stuff, but there's also, like, yes. funny stuff. Yeah. Like, there, there's, it's, like, some text she sends to, like, the guys that she's trying to, like, and it's, she's like, "Are you clean?" And it's like of STDs or COVID. And she's like, "Both." <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and yeah, I just, Dunham is in it, right? And we talked about that a little bit. But I think she has, she's got, she's not in it that much. Yeah. She's got like maybe four scenes, and like in each of them, she has like a really great bit that she she's just executes so really well. Funny. She's so funny in. Like that, you know, the scene where she is—I don't really want to spoil the game of the scene where she goes into labor, but it's like 
There's so some funny. Yeah. <laughs> like her deli- like the way her and Burnthal play off each other in that scene is just like it's the funniest scene of the yeah. year so far, certainly. Like I mean, like- truly there is like that. There's also there's a scene like the first scene where Burnthal and the actress uh whose name is Christine Froseth, uh, they like hook up for the first time. Uh, and it's like literally her first time, and Burnthal basically like <laughs> two pump jumps it, and is like <laughs> this this like doesn't happen, and she obviously has no like context for it, so she's like, can we go again? He's like, are you like, can I have like ten minutes or whatever? And then she's like, that thing you were doing where you were licking me down there wasn't very good. And he's like, I really like have never had a complaint in that department. Are right, you sure? I've been, I'm, he's really thrown by yeah, it. He's like, just, no one's ever yeah. said that about me. And like that is like the sort of tetchy area that the movie is working around that I think some people have an issue with. That like she, the actress, and that character is very childlike. So for, yeah, for yeah. them to like the movie to be about her sexual experience, I think throws people off. But I just find it very funny. It's like I always enjoy yeah. a movie in which you have a main character where it's just like this person could say or do anything right now. I don't. I yes. truly don't know where this person is really even going. But I en- sort of enjoyed the ride. And it's like somebody uh, sort of like somebody who like I, I think was sort of ungenerously describing it sort of described it as having a sort of John Watersy quality because of that main character. And it's like, I can see that. It's like, it is sort of like very strange. Like we were, I was talking to Cullen and I described that she sort of looked like Margot Robbie, like a lot of bunch of actresses look like Margot Robbie. And Cullen was like, oh, but she just like wears all these like weird Mormon outfits. And it's just like, yeah, yeah I believe right. I said She's, that. Yeah. More, uh, really frump her up. For, I said, yeah, yeah Margot Robbie, if she only drank milk and wore Mormon dresses. Yeah. So it's like, um, it's like, re- like that aspect of the character is like really played up. But again, yeah. I just find it funny and interesting. This is, that, that It is also, yeah, it is funny. Cause she, like, there are so many scenes where she's just like housing a cup of yogurt. And like, it is <laughs> so crazy that she just eats yogurt all the time. Um, but like truly so funny. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee as Emilio mentioned is so funny. Taylor Page is like hilarious as the other sister who like is trying, trying to be to a TikTok, TikTok celebrity <laughs> and gets a neck tech t- uh, neck tattoo and gets impregnated. Uh, it's just so funny. There's a bit where um, who the uh, the music choices and it it like starts off with Taylor Page uh, doing a TikTok dance. Um, and then there's like, uh, the minute or like the scene after, uh, the main character has sex with Burnthal for the first time. There's like this crazy, like TikTok, like flow Millie type song that drops and it's so funny. And then there is a huge scene set to, uh, the song impossible, which is just hilarious. Um. And it's, like, I remember, like, girls, like, always had great music choices, like, funny or just, like, poignant even. And it is... uh, When Marty sang that Kanye song. Yes. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, when uh, they play, like, the crazy, like, crunk song at the wedding (laughs) and Chris and Dad's, like, dancing to it or whatever. Uh, But also for Phase of Girls, you've got Evan Moss Backrack in this... As a guy yeah. named Yuli, who's friends with Burnthal, and he's very funny <laughs> yeah. as well. He like freestyle um, raps at one point, and it's very yes. funny. <laughs> <laughs> there is like a scene where she's just watching Burnthal and that guy like alternating jump rope, 
And uh, Backrack and Dunham's relationship is also very funny in the movie. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just great. And she's back, and we are all happy to have her back. Yeah. And she's got another movie coming out this year. She's doing a period yep. piece. I cannot wait. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, boy, is it a period piece. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, if, if people said it's like, do I think it like 100% coheres into like a like very like definitive story or like thesis? No. Did I ha- did I enjoy every single scene in the movie? Yes, 100%. Exactly right. Yes. Which is all I want from yeah. a movie. And it's one that um doesn't have distribution yet. So we'll will it ever we'll get it up. Yeah, will it ever get distribution <laughs> considering all of the weird stuff going around in and around that movie? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? It, but yeah. I would have to imagine it'll get something. I mean like you can't the scary of sixty six can't get distribution 61. and sharp stick doesn't. Sure. Listen, I just I just want people to see it. Just like yes, the yeah. more people that can see it and talk about it with me, the better. Yeah, because it is a movie that is just like you go like, and then this scene, and everyone's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I just want to watch girls now. <laughs> yeah, listen, yeah. girls is great. We should start to start our side on. girls podcast. <laughs> sure. Um, good show. But yeah, speaking of distribution and whether or not Sharpstick is picked up, were there any other big buys that we needed to cover? Um, uh, Leo Grant, uh, good luck to you, Leo Grant. Right. Uh, got bought by, I believe that's, they bought by uh, Searchlight Hulu. Okay. Yes. Right. And yeah, like, Fresh was also bought by Searchlight Hulu before the festival. And, like, I think, well, yeah, good luck to you, Leo Grant. Like, that movie has, like, awards buzz, like, for Emma Thompson. Although we'll see if that maintains. Sure. Um, And and that is playing, not in competition, but in the uh, Berlin special section at Berlin. Yeah. uh, As I said, Living was picked up by Sony Pictures Classic, one of the few, like, non-streaming things that seem. Yep. Um. You know, some people seem to like Nai and that movie a bit. Some people really like that movie. Yeah, I, mean, I think most people sort of... You know, uh, Sony Pictures Classics is always going to pick up a Sundance movie for old people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. And we love them for it. Oh, um, what else is there? Uh, it's, I mean, Nat, uh, Nat Geo picked up Fire of Love, which people seem to like. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. People really like that one's about volcanoes, hunters, or whatever. Is it hunting what they do in volcano? I don't know what they do. Chasers. I'll need to see the doc. They hunt but, um, volcanoes. <laughs> I don't know what they're. I think that's what they're called. I, we don't need to talk about it. But uh, yeah, they did the no. <laughs> right. They did the rescue this year, which like yeah, got like a nice theatrical run. I think oh, right. before it showed up mm-hmm. on Disney Plus. Yeah, it showed up. Um, um, so. Na- Navalny. Is that what it's called? It got picked up by CNN. I think. Yeah. Is produced by yes. them, I think. Okay. Yeah, they're just gonna like show it in a month. Yeah, sure. and it'll be on HBO Max too, I think. Um, we talked about Cha Cha Real Smooth. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as we said earlier, the only like the most the biggest thing to get is just like streamers seem to run Sundance now. That that is who is yeah. picking up yes. all of these movies. That, that people seem right. to. I guess Focus picked up something called Brian and Charles, which I do not know. Do not know what that is. 
but it, congrats yeah. to focus congrats to focus but i it's just like sure i guess people don't think there are many theatrical avenues for these movies still or maybe it's just like we're still sort of in a pandemic people are just hedging yeah, their that's bet part of it i mean like to zoom out a little bit like if this is what sundance now is now then like it makes sense that like if this is just a if like the main thing that sundance is is like kind of a discovery platform that movies are for movies that are eventually going to show up on streaming then like yeah sure they probably the majority of the festival should just remain uh in this like hybrid format uh even though you know i think it's kind of sad that they won't kind of get that theatrical spotlight like ultimately it's like if they're only gonna play in theaters in this park city utah then like who cares yeah yeah i don't know because it's like you can't even like i would you can't even be like well this was a smaller sundance with smaller movies maybe so maybe in a bigger year the the theatricals will pick it up because this was a sundance that was planned to be in person and a regular sundance Mm -hmm. and was shifted i mean it was planned to always be hybrid they i think what will happen eventually is like i mean it might just be as simple as like the competitions are all hybrid and the premiere section is just in person or it might be more complicated of, like, there is a hybrid section of the festival and an only, like, a special only in-person section, like what TIFF did this year. Uh, and that's when you might start to see them getting, like, a few more, like, big premieres from, like, sort of big, sort of internationally recognized directors, uh, like you know, kind of happened throughout most of the 2010s. Um, But yeah, I don't know. And, and like, some of those movies were still acquisitions titles. Like, I I don't believe that Amazon bought Manchester by the Sea until uh, after it premiered at Sundance. Mm -hmm. But then, like, some of those bigger movies are movies that come in with, like, A24 or someone like that. Yeah, it's like probably still a little too early to, to say that. Like, yeah, this will, this yeah. is what Sundance will be because we're still in like a period of weirdness. But it's like I wouldn't be surprised if this is just what Sundance becomes. Also, right. And the other thing is like we're in a period of weirdness, but it's easy to it's easy to imagine a world in where like things get a lot better, but you still can't really do an in-person film festival in January for even, like, the next five years, you know? Right, like, if things, like, are, are cyclical or whatever, and it's, like, there's always yeah. a... Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, definitely curious to see where things go. Uh, I, I was very excited to see, like, how many people... Like, obviously, you know, I am connected to a lot of people who are interested in film festivals and stuff as a co-host of this podcast, but I was excited to see like how many people who are just like people I know on social media or whatever, who were just seeing things at Sundance and like, you know, getting to, getting to watch some, some premieres of movies, which Mm -hmm. I think is like really cool and exciting. And I hope that's able to continue in some form. Um, Cause you know, we've talked about how Sundance is so expensive to stay at let alone see movies and i'll say Um, i didn't see a lot of movies but within what i saw it's like even the stuff i liked i was not like 
damn, I really should have checked that out. I really wish I would have checked that out in a theater. Like even Sharpstick, which I love, I'm like, that, it, I'm I, if, I'm glad I watched that at home. It's like it, it was nice to watch it at home. It was like fun to like be able to like scroll back and listen to some parts again or whatever. It's fun. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I just wonder like will Sundance ever have a movie that I will be like, I'll be glad. To, I really want to watch that in a theater. I guess pe- some people had that thought about like I guess none of us watch it, but about like Fire of Love. There's like apparently some great footage in that sure. that maybe like would really hit in a theater. But apart from that... Yeah, I'll I mean, it. I wonder if I would have responded to After Yang slightly differently in a theater. I think that's a movie that will look good on a big screen. That's what I was sure. about to say. The ver- Like, I don't know what it was, because, like, it didn't happen with any of the other Sundance movies that I saw, but the quality on After Yang was, like, not very good when I was watching it. And I don't know that's if it was, like... If I just thought that the movie looked bad, because um, I haven't, they put out a trailer today as we're recording this, and I haven't watched it yet. But um, I did, um, like, I was like, it it didn't look very good. Like, it wasn't like huh. low quality. I just was like, this movie maybe doesn't look good. But it could have been a quality yeah. thing. Is uh, so like maybe in maybe. a theater it would pop more, and that I, would be like. I feel- I not like, a thing that I mark against it. I feel like I've heard conflicting reports on this, but did they re-edit after you? It was marginally shorter than the version that premiered in Canada. It was like five minutes shorter. Interesting. I thought I saw someone like refer to what was cut, but I don't remember what it was. Maybe. I mean, my impression is that like the main thing is that they just kind of worked on the visual effects a little more. Um, but yeah. yeah. Another Sundance under our belts. Yep. <laughs> Shoving it down under there, under our belts. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, under this belt, side of the belt is Sundance 2020 and Sundance 2021. And look, here's Sundance 2022. Mm-hmm. Gonna need to tighten the belt because it's getting so heavy with all these Sundances hanging. Yeah, we got like below whoa, it. Whoa, whoa. I'm about to freaking drop my cha-cha real smooth screener. <laughs> yes. And with that. That's worth money. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. sorry. Jesse. With that. All right, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, Can I Kick It or on Letterboxd at CIKI Pod, or you can email us at uh, Can I Kick It Pod, all lowercase, at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you've got any questions or comments, we will address them on air uh if it seems worthwhile to do so yeah, uh, that's on you yeah yep. if you write a bad uh, email and it's the only one we ever get we won't read it <laughs> yeah um you can find me on any of those platforms at j c p glick weber weber has two b's uh I'm not going to plug anything that I'm not involved with this week, but I I was on a number of podcasts in the last week. Maybe I'll save the one that both me and Cullen did for his plug, Uh, but I I was on Heavy Metal again, uh, our friend Ethan Brundine's podcast, and I was on I was on the much awaited Scooby Doo in the Cyber Chase episode, which I think is almost exactly twice as long as the movie. 
Um, and I also uh, started a second podcast called Poddle, where I solve the Wordle. Uh, and you can find that at uh, JCP Glick Weber uh, on SoundCloud, or I tweet it out every day. Uh, and it is a daily podcast uh, that I try to keep pretty short. Yeah. I think it's fun. Uh, great. You can find me. I apologize. There are some deer out in the backyard, and my dog Kaya is uh, extremely excited about that fact. I'm excited. Um, about deer are exciting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're just uh, sort of wandering around the woods. Um, uh, my name's Andy. You can find me online at Andy T Germ A N D Y T G E R M. Uh, Twitter, Letterboxd, etc. Um, do I have anything to plug? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I did watch the first episode of, uh, the Gilded Age, had a lot of fun with that. I've been enjoying, um, I mentioned earlier, I've been enjoying, and just like that, I think it's a lot of fun. I've been watching Peacemaker, a lot of HBO Max shows. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, if you like the show and like what we're doing and want to, uh, send us some support, uh, go ahead and visit our coffee page, ko-fi.com slash canni, C-A-N-N-E-S-I, and give us a donation of any amount. We appreciate no matter what you're able to share with us, it really does help us feel good about the show and and our audience. And um, if you want to start a recurring donation, we'll make it worth your while. Too true. Call it. Follow the podcast on Instagram at (laughs) C-I-K-I-Pod. We're posting on Instagram these days, baby. I liked Um, one of the posts. Yeah. I'm on Twitter and Letterboxd at Clatchley, C-L-A-T-C-H-L-E-Y. The podcast that me and Tessie were both on that she was alluding to is called Exiting Through the 2010s. And it is a podcast about movies from the 2010s. And we were on talking about Olivier Asayas's Clouds of Sils Maria. And uh, we had a great time, I think. It was a very fun yeah, podcast was, to do. Yeah. Really fun. Love that movie. I think there is some uh, background about how I kind of got into uh, film and festivals that uh, listeners of ours might find interesting on that episode. That's true, yeah. Um, And yeah, I think uh, I could be wrong. I think their Twitter handle is like ETT pod um but we'll put it in the description if you want to listen. Um, and then... Uh, You're right. It is ETT. Let's go. Um, so, yeah. I feel like there's, like, a bit of a sort of similar interest to, like, a lot of the movies that we talk about and the movies sure. that they talk yeah. about on their podcast. Um, they have a lot of good guests, a lot of guests that we've had on our show as well. Um, and then, for my personal plug, go plug the video game Fall Guys. <laughs> Emilio. Oh, yeah. My personal plug is uh, listening to Cullen yell at Fall Guys. Sure. I don't feel like that's a thing that people... Whatever. Uh, you can... I don't know. Hit him up. Maybe. If you want to call me and listen to me play Fall Guys, <laughs> I'll answer probably. Cullen, you should listen to... Uh, you should play Fall Guys on uh, Twitter Voices. Sure, I'll, I'll do a Twitter space and play Fall Guys one Twitter of these space, days, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> people who can people play with you? Whatever. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, 
can find me out. <laughs> and you also can't see my screen. You'll hear me go, fuck! Every... But I'm also getting good at it, so maybe you won't hear me scream too often. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at I'm Laugh Alone, and you can find me on Letterboxd at I Laugh Alone. And you can follow me at on Instagram on Emilio Andres Torres. I think that's what my at on Instagram. Follow me on there. I'll post some stuff. Um, oh, all right. My plug this week is going to be introducing by DJ Shadow. Just a very good album. Get getting into DJ Shadow. Uh, he's the one car wide music. I'll, I'll get into that take someday. Uh, our theme song is by True Related. You can find them at soundcloud.com slash True Related or search True Related on Spotify. Uh, I think that is all. Yeah, so with that, I will go ahead and release our audience. Bye. Bye. I remember years ago, someone told me I should take caution when it comes to love. I did, I did, and you were strong and I was not my illusion, my mistake. I was careless, I forgot I did. And now, when all is done, there is nothing to say You have gone this so effortlessly You have won, you can go ahead, tell